Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. Viewpoint on expedition in Cote d'Ivoire. It's a nation in West Africa. French is the language of the official government. Many tribal languages also spoken all across the country. A land of great humidity and heat at times. Some dust, as in this season we're here. But a place of vibrant culture, wonderful life and opportunity. And today on Expedition, we have with us Larry and Leanne Sellers, who for over two decades have called this place home. We are so glad to have you with us. Merci. Thank you very much. We're glad to be with you. Thank you very much. It's great to be with you today. Our thanks is uh, to you because you have opened up not just your home, but now your hearts to us as we explore a little bit about what life is like in Cote d'Ivoire, why you're here, and what God can do in anyone's life when we are willing to take the dare. Today we're seated on a veranda, and let me just tell you, this is the stuff of a magazine cover, it seems to me. I mean, it's exactly what I would imagine a veranda to be like in West Africa. There's a tile floor, there are some pillars, there's shade, there's some bougainvillea that's draped beautifully around. I know, Leanne, that you love the garden, and you have a heart for the flowers and uh, the wildlife, all that is here. And this veranda in a bit of a walled garden is a sanctuary of a kind in a world filled with dust and hustle and bustle and jumble of life. And we are so thankful and privileged to be here. Thank you for opening your home to us today. And as I describe that, though, you might think, well, how do they live in the veranda? Tell us a little bit about this house. It's uh, about 40 years old, I think. This house is truly a blessing. We know that God gave it to us the day that we walked in. It's very easy to walk in and out of the house because there are French doors all around the veranda. And so you can come in and out as you please. The person who built this home did a wonderful job, and we just are so thankful that we can share this home with others. We can open it up because it's just, it's here for the living. And when you talk about French doors, we're talking about French doors designed by French people because this house was was designed by someone who now lives in France, the owner, I think. And uh, he's glad to have you here, I think. It's my guest to watch over the place. So this is your home that you care for and live in. And you have also turned it into a way station for people like me and my team here this week because it is a home perfect for hospitality and Christian witness, the kind of loving presence of Christ, when you come onto this property, you just know there's a sense of peace here. That's a supernatural thing. And I want to thank you for that because part of that is not flowing out of the veranda. It's flowing out of you. And I want to just dive in uh, to your stories a little bit because many of our listeners may not understand a, uh, a life with Jesus. They're not even sure if Jesus is alive or real, or maybe he's just a story. There's some people listening today who might even care about Jesus, but your intersection with Jesus and your life attempting to follow him has brought you here. Tell me a little bit about that. This is a French-speaking country, and Larry, you speak magnificent French. Leah does too, but she didn't grow up with it in the same way you did. Tell us a little bit about your life and how it began and why French is almost like oxygen, second nature to you. I'm still learning, I think, but I have been privileged to grow up in French-speaking areas around the world. As a small child, my family moved to France, and I began school there. And then when I was a little bit older, we moved to Algeria in North Africa, also a French-speaking country, and uh, began my uh, grade school there. And then a little later, we moved back to the States, 
And I finished up through grade school, high school, went to college, had the opportunity to go to do uh, some service overseas in uh, French-speaking Belgium at the time. And through all of that, I kind of just reinforced my, my interest, my desire to use French as a medium of communication and an opportunity to uh, respond to people's needs as well. And um, so I see that that's a gift that God has given me that I, I love to use and uh, have had the privilege of using for the past uh, 25, even more uh, years that we have been serving in Africa, in other countries, but longest has been here in Cote d'Ivoire. Uh, I have an adult son that you know who speaks French. He has a French degree from university, actually, and studied for a year at university in Paris. Uh, and he always reminds me that Larry Sellers speaks French with such precision and grace that it's as if he grew up in Paris. And I'm just reflecting, Larry, the Lord has breathed that bilingual world into you. American family speaking English at home, but also a French-speaking world, and that has formed you. Now, Leanne didn't grow up abroad outside the United States, but she also has conquered French. How so? Where, where did you first get introduced to French? Well, I was first introduced to French through Larry, so that's that's where it all started. But um, we were married, and we, as soon as we were married, we went directly to Haiti, and so we began speaking Haitian Creole. Which has some similarities it to It has French. very many similarities. Um, but after that, we went into France because I really needed to learn how to speak French a little bit better and to get my uh, verbs corrected. Because if this marriage is going to work, I better nail this down as a part of it. <laughs> because this is going to be a lifetime. So there you go. anyway, um, from there, we went to um, Rwanda and to Zaire. And that is where really and truly um, French became a little bit better friend and uh, just enjoyed being a part of that. There are 22 nations on the continent of Africa, where French is an official language. Is that right? That is correct. And so when you speak of Rwanda and Zaire, which are far away from where we are in Cote d'Ivoire, still have been framed at some parts of their history by French civilization, and so French is spoken there. And now you've both landed here in Cote d'Ivoire. Tell me about what you love about Cote d'Ivoire. What, what is it here that you love? Because you've been here now a long time. We have, and it's kind of become second nature that some of the things we love just kind of we take for granted because uh, we've been here so long. But we love the vibrancy of the people, their um, their willingness to accept new challenges, to overcome difficulties in their lives with joy and excitement, and and to receive others as well, and uh, um, not be close to learning new ways of doing things, new cultures, new people, new languages. It amazes us that uh, Africans, some who have had little schooling and yet can speak five, six, seven, even eight languages, uh, and it just kind of flows out of them. And uh, so it's a, it's a diverse place with a lot of um, different cultures, but all forming together to form a certain unity that makes up Cote d'Ivoire that is hard to find elsewhere. And um, we especially enjoy the youth here. It's a very young culture, and a lot of the people that we work with are in their 20s and 30s, and um, it just kind of helps keep us a little bit young, even though we're not quite in that age bracket anymore. But uh, we enjoy being with them and uh, having the opportunity to invest ourselves in them and see the exciting, great things that are uh, they're involved in and of becoming as well. Almost 60% of the population of Cote d'Ivoire is under the age of 24. It is a very vibrant young culture, and I certainly can 
resonate with what you've said, even though I've been here just a few days, there's a certain energy and a kind of electricity about the people I've met here that is life-giving. It's just fun. It's just energetic. It just makes you want to get up and, and move and, and to be. And uh, I understand that. How about you, Leanne? What do you love about Cote d'Ivoire? Well, he kind of took my, mine as well, but I just absolutely love the people, um, all ages. I just enjoy being around them. They they definitely give life, and they definitely show their um, excitement for life. And so I just love having the time to spend with people when they come here to the veranda, and we can just sit and talk and share. All of this speaks about the wonder of culture and uh, community and uh, civilizations and languages. I mean, there are a lot of ways that uh, those dimensions of life can feed us. But fundamentally, there's something deeper in you that brought you here. And when we come back, let's dive a little deeper. The call of God in a life, is it possible that God really does speak to us, plan for us, and call us to places and vocations and to opportunities that otherwise on our own we would never imagine? I think the sellers will say yes.
Jan Sellers have lived in Cote d'Ivoire for over 20 years, and they have spent many more years in mission in Haiti and other parts of Africa. Uh, their lives have been given, their adult lives have been given, not only to raising their family, their two children of whom they're very proud and now adults on their own, uh, but to helping other people understand life to the fullest. Tell me a little bit about that. When did you decide, I should move to Cote d'Ivoire, or I should move abroad, or I should leave the country that is the place of my family and, and roots and do something as daring as this? How did that happen? When did that happen? For me, going abroad wasn't really unusual or even frightening because I grew up in that setting, and so that seemed kind of a part of life for me. And my family has always been fairly transient, and so that that was kind of normal for me. But the element that was really a challenge for me was uh, the call that God would give me, uh, the whole reason for doing that, not just because it's fun to live abroad or uh, enjoy seeing, discovering new places, but there was a deeper reason for being abroad. And uh, when I went to college, I went to a Bible college in Texas and uh, thought that I would probably be uh, working more in the area of music ministry in a local church, maybe, because of my interest in music. I just knew that God was calling me into ministry someplace, but didn't know exactly what that would look like and how that would uh, take shape. But during my first year in college, the Lord used a missions convention and a particular message that uh, was given from uh, God's word, from Jesus's words, uh, when he called his disciples to pray for harvesters because the harvest was ready, was ripe, and yet there wasn't enough harvesters to respond to the need around the world. And that message spoke to me in a deep way that day to re let me know that he wanted me not only to pray for harvesters, but to become one of those harvesters. And initially, I, I resisted that call because I f was rather shy and backward. I didn't feel like I could do that very well. I didn't see myself as what I imagined a missionary would be like. And so it was hard for me to accept that. But I began to see over the coming weeks that, in fact, God had prepared me from my childhood and my background growing up in French-speaking countries to serve him in whatever ways he would call me to do among French-speaking people. And so for the past 30 years, uh, that has been what God has allowed me to do, first in Haiti and then in several African countries here, in, most recently in Cote d'Ivoire, to uh, be a part of harvesting the fruit of the work that he has called us to do here, to reach out to people with the good news of Jesus Christ in Cote d'Ivoire. The passage that you're describing is in Matthew chapter 9, and as you were talking about it, Larry, I just pulled it up on my smartphone here, and, and th these are the verses. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, and he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest, ask him to send more workers into his fields. The whole call starts with Jesus being moved with compassion. And I think that's in you, Larry. I mean, the call is, is there because you saw yourself not only praying for the harvest, but being a harvester, but it's more than just duty. You love these people. You love the places where you've been. And uh, that's no small thing. How about you, Leanne? What would you say? Well, I grew up in Sarasota, Florida, and um, didn't move around a lot. My family still lives in Sarasota, Florida. 
But I remember as a high school student recognizing very clearly that I needed to move on somewhere else. I didn't know why or where I needed to go to college. I very much felt that I needed to go to Houston, Texas after searching some some information and feeling definitely led to go to Gulf Coast Bible College. And um, I remember very distinctly at different times being in the chapel and us singing, Anywhere, O Lord, with Thee. And I thought, Lord, I don't know what you're calling. I don't know what you want, but I want to be obedient. And it wasn't until after I graduated and had understood how much I loved children and working with kids. A few years later, after graduating, Larry and I met again in in, um, Texas in another city, in Odessa, Texas. And it was there that God opened doors. And it was there that he began to say, this is it. So it's through that that I really sensed his calling that wherever he wanted me to go, was ready to go. And both of you have talked about a moment, a stirring, where you felt like God was talking to you. Am I hearing you say that God still talks? I mean, for someone listening today who's thinking, well, how does that happen? Was it on a blackboard? How do you know that? And is it even possible that God knows me by name and knows who I am and has a purpose and plan for my life? Because that's what you're suggesting about your lives. What would you say to someone listening to us who's wrestling with that? I think it's very possible and very much a part of our experience, and we see it in in the Word of God as well, that God knows us by name, He knows who we are, and He's intimately involved and concerned about our lives and our future, and has great plans for us. And uh, sometimes we miss out on those because we don't recognize His hand at work in our lives. But He speaks to us in circumstances, in situations that arrive in our lives through other people at times, encouraging words, difficult times as well, are always that God speaks to us in a still small voice in many ways that uh, others we might miss if we're not really paying attention. And um, I think he continues to speak to us. He has spoken to us in many ways and times throughout our careers, even bringing us to Cote d'Ivoire. He spoke to us by closing a door in another African country that we wanted to go to. And he said, no, that's not where I need you right now. I need you in another place clear across Africa. And uh, he made that quite clear to us as well. And we've been here for 22 years as a result. And I suppose a, a key part of that process of discernment is a heart that has made a choice. I want to go where God wants me to go. <laughs> I'm choosing to obey. You're going to have to show me, Lord, and, and you're going to have to help me find out that way. But, but it starts with a decision. I'm going to place my life into the Lord's hands and trust him to lead me. And then you start hearing from him. Is that fair? Mm, definitely. We've learned through many years of traveling with him and experience that the best place to be is in the center of his will. And then the geography is kind of secondary. Secondary. But speaking of geography, so here we are in Cote d'Ivoire. The Lord has called you here. You know that. You know you're in the right place at the right time by the appointment of heaven. That's not pretentious. It's just the way life has unfolded. And now that you're here and you're loving the people here and you love the Jesus who called you here, what does Cote d'Ivoire need? What is happening in this country through the ministry of, of the church, the believers, the, the great souls that you work alongside? What's going on here? What do they need? How can we help? Well, we have seen in our years here that this is a needy country, even though it's not by any means Africa's poorest country. In some ways, it's moving and developing in positive ways. 
But at the same time, we see great spiritual darkness. We see uh, people bound by traditions and spiritual oppression that, um, that makes life very, very challenging, very, very difficult for uh, these people who have not had the opportunity to know Jesus Christ and even to hear his word. And uh, there are still many, many people in this condition here, even though the gospel has made uh, considerable inroads and is continuing to grow. And uh, we're seeing more and more people come to know Christ as their Savior uh, every year here. But uh, the, the people still need to know him. And uh, what we see as most effective is not uh, that we as missionaries be the primary messengers of that message, but that we help their own people to become those messengers, other African believers who can become the more effective transmitters of the good news of Jesus Christ to their own people, in their own languages, their own culture, in their own appropriate styles and ways of communicating that make even a deeper impact on people's lives than we can, even after 20 plus years here. Uh, those who have been here all their lives uh, can take, do that even more effectively than we can. In a way, a little bit like coaching, you're developing some depth on the bench here. And I'm a witness to some of the brilliant young adults who are graduates of the uh, West Africa Bible Institute, which has been a labor of love for you both, I know, and, and several classes, and by that cohorts, I'd say, go through a four-year program, are, are trained and expanded and developed, and they're now doing the same, some coming back to teach in the school who once graduated from there, and, mm -hmm. and that provides so much traction for the ministry across the country in the hands of those who were born in Cote d'Ivoire and call it home from birth. So much good has happened here because you are here. And there's still so much good to do. From stories I've heard of, of wells being planted in a village where you've helped become the interlocutor for some investment from the West to help provide fresh drinking water to medical care, where people find themselves in desperate straits medically, but I know that the church that's developing here comes alongside and helps care for it. And then, of course, those are material positives, but there is the spiritual framing that gives people hope and ambition and a sense of destiny themselves, so that they might know also God speaks and calls. And wherever you are in the world today listening to this program, whatever your journey, know this— God knows you by name too, and he knows just exactly why he created you. And there's good to be done, and the world could be made a better place, and you can find life in sharing the life of Christ beyond your own experience. There's so much waiting for you. And like Larry and the Ancellers, you may be called to a, an exotic place, or maybe you'll just be called across the street from the house where you now live. But wherever it is, whatever it is, if the Lord is in it, it will be an adventure, it will give you life, and it will give someone else life. Take a step with us towards that end right now. Whatever you're doing, just take a deep breath. We're seated on the veranda. It is so beautiful this morning. There's a gentle breeze. I can see the palm fronds just being rustled now as the bougainvillea is also just waving a bit in the breeze that blows across our comfortable chairs. Wherever you are in the world, take a moment and join us in prayer. Thank you, Father, for the beauty of this world that you have made for all of the ways in which life is everywhere found. But we also know that the world is a broken place and that the enemy of our souls is always working mischief. And he's always trying to rob and steal and take away life, even as Jesus came to give life. Thank you for giving us life. Help us to receive it. We pray, Lord, that each of us will be surrendered into your hand and made new, born again, 
by the work of Christ on our behalf on the cross and our faith receiving it. Thank you for your hand on the lives of Larry and the Ansellers and how their lives have been translated to become channels of life for others along their way and how you've uniquely prepared them for this work and calling in Cote d'Ivoire. We thank you for the believers here in Cote d'Ivoire who are so passionate about their faith and their country and their communities and their towns. And I thank you for those who are listening today. For everyone who's joining us in this prayer, Lord, I ask right now that you will reach deep into their hearts and reassure them that they have plan, purpose, and place in your world and that there is good for them to do, for each of us to do. And however hard and however strong the wind may blow, however difficult the challenge might be that we might face at any moment, some even now, help us to know, Lord, that you will see us through it and bring us to a mountaintop where we can see all that you have. Use us, Lord. Call us and give us the courage to obey. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As you've listened today, you might want to know more about this Jesus who actually speaks and calls and makes plans. Maybe you want to know more about the work in Cote d'Ivoire and how this is a place where you can come alongside too. Maybe sponsor a child or maybe help invest in the work. Maybe you just have a question or comment or a prayer request. Whatever it is on your heart right now, we want to hear from you. And there are three ways you can reach out. First, just pick up your phone. Dial this number toll-free 24 hours a day and seven days a week. We're by the phone. We want to hear your voice. That number is 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. If you'd prefer, check us out online. Our web address, CBH, that's Christians Broadcasting Hope, cbhviewpoint.org. You can read about the ministry there. You can also send us an email, and we will reply. Or at the last, use the post. Just write me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana 46018, USA. But whether you reach out to us by phone, online, or using the Postal Service, please, let us hear from you this week. Larry and Leanne, we are so thankful to have you on our program today. Thanks for your hospitality, your warm welcome, and thank you for your work here. It is inspiring, I promise. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Jim. Merci beaucoup. And we want to thank you for tuning in today also and being part of our CBH family. And before you go, I want to ask the sellers to give a blessing in French, the language they speak in the marketplace with their neighbors, their friends, and all across this beautiful country. How would you bless us in French? Que le Seigneur fasse briller son visage sur votre chemin partout où vous irez. Which in English might say, May God's face shine upon your way in every place that you may go. Thank you so much for all of us at the Viewpoint Ministry team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast. Thank you for joining us today. This is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.